Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. That's bluehost.com wondersuite. Don't be like Charlie. Charlie is that do-it-yourselfer who does himself in. Do-it-yourself is good for tile and grout. It is not good for asset protection. Charlie thought he'd save a few dollars forming his LLC online. With no guidance, he did it wrong. When he sold the property, he lost thousands and thousands of dollars. He did himself in by trying to do it himself. Don't burn yourself. Use Corporate Direct to set up and maintain your LLCs and corporations. Corporate Direct is owned and operated by attorney and rich dad advisor, Garrett Sutton. Garrett wrote the bestsellers Loopholes of Real Estate and Start Your Own Corporation. He is Robert Kiyosaki's attorney for asset protection. He and his team will do it right. Visit them at CorporateDirect.com or call 800-600-1760. Mention Rich Dad and receive $100 off your formation fee. That's CorporateDirect.com. CorporateDirect.com. This is the Rich Dad Radio Show. The good news and bad news about money. Here's Robert Kiyosaki. Hello, hello, hello. Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. And today we have a very, very important show. Like all our shows are important, but it comes from the point of view of being old guys versus young guys. And there's one thing, you know, nobody likes to get old, but there's one thing good about getting old. You have more viewpoint to, to look at the world from. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm making a fortune in Bitcoin today, not because I have that much Bitcoin, but I speak for the younger generation. And I always warn that the baby boom generation's in serious trouble, you know, because they drank the Kool-Aid. We were born during one of the biggest booms in world history. 1971, Nixon took us off the gold standard. And the economy boomed because they could print trillions of dollars that were fake. In 87, the stock market crashed and Greenspan went in there with the PPT, the Plunge Protection Team, and says, don't worry, we'll cover, we'll, we'll always protect stocks. But to do that, they had to print trillions of dollars to keep the stock market propped up so that baby boomers didn't lose everything. So here's baby boomers, the, you know, the Leave it to Beaver and the Aussie and Harriet crowd, for those of you old enough to remember that. And they drank the Kool-Aid and now we have Social Security that's broke, Medicare that's broke. And a stock market set to crash. <laughs> what else could go wrong? And we have, when in 1970, the debt to GDP was 30%. Today, it's 140%. And people say, well, what's, what's different from 1970 to today is we're broke. We're bankrupt. You know, 30% debt to GDP to 140% debt to GDP 
that's like you were making 100000 in 1971, let's say, but you had 30000 in expenses. Today, you're making 100000 but your expenses are 140000 a year. And so the boomers are in serious, serious, serious trouble if they don't keep this bond market and stock market propped up. So with that said, a dear old friend, Doug Casey, he and I are the old guys. We've been saying the same old crap for the same, same number of years. We've traveled the world together, and we have the benefit of history. So Doug and, I mean, Doug and I were just in um, Cancun, Mexico at the Nomad Capitalist Show. And what I found was interesting, I've done, I've done many of these Nomad Capitalist shows, well, those types of shows where Americans are looking for a second passport, a second home, and a tax haven. But this time they were sold out. They're looking for the second passport, another country to live in, and a tax haven. And they're more attentive this year. And there are a lot more younger people. It was really interesting. A lot of Bitcoin millionaires and all this. So Doug Casey and I, the old guys, were there talking to the young guys about where we run to today and what we see. So Doug, welcome to the program. It's good to see you again. Just for a few days ago, we were in Cancun. It was an interesting conference, huh? Yeah, it was, Robert, and it was uh, an excellent excuse to basically get out of lockdown and go to a beach resort uh, where most people weren't wearing masks, and it, it gave it gave the appearance of freedom. I was I was very happy to be there, and it was interesting that uh, so many people are looking to get a second crib someplace out of the U.S. because they can see a storm is brewing on the horizon here in the U.S. So uh, I think it's smart. Of course, I've been uh, living on and off in Argentina and Uruguay for years, so I'm, I'm already quite well prepared. Right. Although yeah. I'm speaking to you from, from Virginia right now at the moment. That's, that's what Doug and I were saying, is that you guys are looking to move. We already moved a long time ago. <laughs> so, Doug, well, let me ask this question, because you and I have been saying the same thing, and unfortunately what we've been saying has come true. That's the saddest part of all. Well, it's just starting to come true, actually. I mean, we're just entering yeah. the uh, trailing edge of the hurricane. And as I like to say, it's going to be much worse and much longer lasting and much different than the unpleasantness of 1929 to 1946. And I hate to uh, sound like I'm crying wolf because... Right now, everything's hung together with chewing gum and bailing wire, helped along by trillions of dollars of new funny money being uh, created. So far, it looks pretty good, but it's not going to look good, I think, in as little as three or six months. So, Doug, let's, let's go back in time, because like I said, you and I, the old guys, we've been together for all these years. We've been, you know, we've been, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. People keep saying, you don't know what you're talking about. But unfortunately, the sky is falling. Give us a little bit of your background. Where were you born? How did you come to this sky is falling mentality? Well, I grew up on a normal middle class existence in Chicago on the southwest side. Went to a four year military boarding school, which is somewhat unusual. I did the same thing. Ah. Yes, I know. And you went to the Coast Guard Academy, actually. No, Merch Marine Academy. I had, I had nominations in Naval and King's Point. I took King's Point. Ah. Coast Guard, you have to be smart. <laughs> <laughs> well, good choice on your part, actually. I, I've said when I, when I had a full hour 
in November of 1980, the day before the Reagan election, uh, I was on the Phil Donahue show for a full hour by myself. And one of the two things that made the audience boomy was that I said that uh, I considered my four years at university a misallocation of my time and my money and that I wouldn't do it again. And of course, I was pretty far ahead of the curve because then the college degree was, uh, everybody wanted one. But today, I I think most people recognize, even if they go to college, that it's an idiotic misallocation. In fact, it's not even, it's not even a misallocation. It's a corrupting influence where (laughs) you try to fill your head full of phony baloney ideas. And, And later on, I became a uh, trustee of the uh, 10th oldest college in, uh, in the country. And then I found out how bad it was. That was 20 years ago. All the professors, except for the sciences, uh, were, were basically uh, Marxists under the skin. <laughs> but today it's much worse. And I actively encourage kids to uh, put their thinking cap on and figure out what can I do with this four years of time and let's say $100,000 of capital that I'm going to use to uh, subsidize the enemy. Anyway, I made that mistake. When did you see the future? I mean, that's, like I said, you and I have been saying the same thing for years. You know, my, my wake-up call came in Vietnam right six months after Nixon took the dollar off the gold standard, and I went flying behind enemy lines looking for gold. And the little Vietnamese woman educated me on gold in no uncertain terms. Gold was spot price. It's spot. I said, what the hell is spot? You know, and that was kind of my wake-up call. I, I thought for a minute you were going to tell me you were going for an adventure like that movie with George Clooney, Three Kings, or the one with Clint Eastwood, Kelly's Heroes, where they were going to, where yeah. you were going to steal the gold. One of my favorite movies. <laughs> well, no, I dodged that bullet in uh, Vietnam, so to speak. I was, um, in retrospect, idiotically signed up for the Marine PLC program. God, that's the best thing you could have done. <laughs> well, I, I, listen, if you're going to join a, a U.S. service, I, I think it really has to be the Marines. I agree. I was draft exempt. And if I said, if I'm going to go to Vietnam, who am I going to go to war with? And I went to this big rally, and they had the Air Force, Coast Guard, Navy, Marine Corps, and Army. And then and the Coast Guard stood up there and says, we save people's lives. And the Marine recruiter stood up there and says, we kill people. Be clear on what you want. And break seconds besides. No, it sounded like more, more fun. That was my first entrepreneurial venture, actually, that kept me out of the, uh, out of the war because um, I've always been a car guy. And in those days, in 1966 and 67, I spent my junior year abroad at the University of Freiburg in uh, Switzerland, and always keeping my eye on exotic cars, Ferraris and Maseratis. And they were very cheap in Europe in those days, but very expensive in the U.S. Interesting arbitrage opportunity. Europeans, at that time, only 20 years recovered from World War II, didn't have much of a middle class. If you bought a Ferrari, you were a rich guy. Otherwise, you'd buy a Fiat. There was nothing in between. But <laughs> Americans all wanted Ferraris in a middle-class society. You could buy a used Ferrari. So there was a huge arbitrage between the two continents. So I, um, I bought a car. I, I raced it at uh, Mollery and Monza. was driving it up to uh, Rotterdam to put on a boat 
having doubled my money from $3,000 to $6,000, sight unseen, and got into a terrible auto accident. I was in a hospital for six weeks, broke my right leg in 17. Anyway, that's why I never went to Vietnam. And, and I'm glad I didn't yeah. because you were lucky, but not everybody was. Right. So, but when did the lights go on about, you know, like you and I have been singing the praises of gold and all this stuff for years and years and years. And, you know, you've lived in Argentina and Uruguay and you've seen those countries come apart, haven't you? Well, and they're still coming apart. Argentina in particular. Yeah. Uruguay is going through a relatively mellow period at the moment. In fact, there are many thousands of middle class and wealthier Argentines that are moving across the Plate River to uh, Uruguay right now because the, uh, the government in uh, Argentina is criminally insane, which it usually is, <laughs> but it's really bad now. Yeah. So uh, when, did, when did I first discover economics? Certainly wasn't taking classes in college. That was a waste of time. It was when I read uh, Henry Hazlitt's book, Economics in One Lesson, which is only about 150 pages, but it's a work of genius. That was the first thing. Then I read Harry Brown's book, How to Profit from the Coming Devaluation, which he turned out just before the devaluation. And I started buying gold coins way back then. I have never sold one. And later on, since I was always interested in geology, it was uh, the third thing I wanted to be when I was a kid. After a paleontologist, after an archaeologist, I wanted to be a geologist. So then I started uh, getting interested in mining stocks. And that's more or less what I've been doing since then. So for those who may not know, I mean, Doug Casey is a legend. I mean, he is a legend. So to run into him last week in Cancun, just have dinner with him again and just catch up. Like I said, we're the old guys. And we've seen this happening, coming. I was in Argentina with my brother. And I, I introduced him to the bird boy because I was shooting dove out there. And the bird boy used to be a civil engineer. And he said, I said, what happened to you? He says... I had a million U.S. in the bank in Argentina, Buenos Aires, and they nationalized it. They nationalized it. My brother said, what's that? He said, they turned it into pesos. Yeah, that's happened to so many middle-class Argentines that have been dropped into the lower classes because of exactly that, foolishly leaving their money in the national currency. Look, when I started playing polo oh, 30 years ago, there was a guy named Hap Sharp. And he first became famous in the 1960s for having developed a famous race car called the Chaparral with Jim Hall. Anyway, he was part of the club that I was. And he bought a ranch in um, Patagonia, 250,000 acres. And he paid, oh, I don't know, back then, $100,000. They're still very cheap. You can still get 250,000 acres in Argentina for $100,000. But... The guy who sold it to him took a, a note from him in Argentine pesos, and it, he got the ranch for free as they destroyed that particular peso. Then came the Oscral, and then came the—they've had five currencies there. It's, and it's such a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful country. It is a oh. rich country with poor government. But anyway, well, let's get back to rich country and poor government. We're talking at the start of the show, so we've seen this, you know, we've, we have history on our side with our age, but you were living in Aspen and you moved to Virginia. Now, you know, for most people, Aspen is utopia, the Marxist. It is a Marxist utopia because a lot of Marxists live there. But why did you move out of Aspen? 
Well, I first came to the People's Republic of Aspen <laughs> in 1979. And in those days, it was still the land of soft snow, hard drugs, and casual sex. <laughs> and, and all those three things still exist. But it's, uh, it's changed character since then. All the houses are completely unaffordable. If you want a detached house in Aspen, I defy you to find anything for less than $5 million. The average price, probably close to $10 million. Many, many houses uh, at the $20 or $30 million level. This is a small town. So, um, you know, that doesn't appeal to me. More than that, it's the people that are moving into town now. The billionaires are driving the multimillionaires down Valley to find it unaffordable. And in this little town of 8,000 people, there's an unbelievable 2,500 so-called employee housing units in Aspen. 8,000 people, 2,500 employee housing units. What are they? They're places that are subsidized or built by the government for uh, so-called worker bees to live in. And of course, they all vote communists because they like having free housing. So it's pretty hopeless. Uh, you can't have an intelligent conversation with anybody in Aspen these days. They're, they're all ultra-leftists. Well, as it is in the People's Republic of Boulder and, and a lot of these ritzy little towns. You know, I've picked a, a small town in Virginia on the water where I'll hang out part of the year. The rest of the time I'll still be in Argentina and Uruguay. Right. When Doug and I were just in Cancun, I pitched a deal to him that you, myself, and records, because we're the old guys, we've seen this thing coming for years and we're warning people, we've warned people. The possibility, we haven't decided to do it yet, but do a quarterly update where you say, this is what I, you've seen, I'll say what I've seen, and Records talks about what he saw. We're going to have to take a break. We'll be right back. I mean, this is so interesting. But we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. This is it, the putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budget, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow, all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Welcome back with Doug Casey, the international man, where we talk about what's going on in the world. And I've been saying this whole time, the sad part about it is what we've been saying for years when we were young guys is coming true as old guys. So my question to you before we end, what do you see from here? Because you saw this years and years ago. We're on the doorstep now. What do you see in the next few years in America? Well, it seemed to me that things would go over the edge with the uh, manic bull market of 2000. Then I thought it was going to surely go over the edge with the real estate meltdown of 2008. I didn't give adequate credit 
to the government's ability to print up trillions of dollars and get away with it. And I didn't give adequate credit to their ability to take interest rates down to near zero. But I'm asking myself, what other feathers, what other arrows do they have in their quiver now that they've you know, printed up unbelievable amounts of money and taken interest rates to, to near zero? What can they do next? And I don't see what they can do next. Do you? I mean, never say never. Say never. Whatever they do will be stupid. But, but the fact <laughs> that the U.S. government is acting exactly the way the Argentine government has been acting for many years. And and the results are going to be the same, a greatly diminished standard of living uh, with the average American and probably a lot of violence in the streets. Because, look, a lot of people are under real financial pressure. Uh, For instance, one of the most disturbing things is the fact that there are still several million Americans living in apartments that are in forbearance, where their rent, I understand, is being accumulated and they're not having to pay rent. And there are a couple million mortgage holders or mortgage mortgagees that aren't having to pay on their mortgage. So what happens when these people have to start paying again and catch up on what they've missed over the last 18 months? Uh, it doesn't look good to me. It doesn't either. I mean, so you have a crystal ball yet? Well, all I can tell you is what I'm doing. And as I look at the markets, the stock market is in a hyper bubble. It's crazier than it was in 2000 and around there, because now much more of the public is involved in it. So it's going to revert to the mean. I don't want to be in the stock market. The bond market is in a hyper bubble. You know, if interest rates just go back to historic average levels, uh, the bond market will fall in half. That's a disaster because most pension funds are mainly invested in bonds. And of course, real estate floats on a a bubble of borrowed money. And when interest rates go back, well, the mortgage I just took out, large mortgage, 2.5%, 30-year fixed. So mortgages go back up to the 6% area, which is kind of like a normal thing over the last 50 years. It can smash the real estate market. Plus, of course, local governments are in a lot of trouble. They'll raise real estate taxes. That's where the rich people are. I mean, what do you think, Robert? I mean, you've made so much money in the real estate market. Am I missing something? No, I agree 100% with you. I think the biggest, the biggest, fattest cow is real estate taxes. And you can't avoid paying them because if you don't pay them, they take your house. you'll find out who really owns your house. Yeah. And that's, that's you, you, you and I think, you know, you must be intelligent because we, we think the same way. I think they're setting they're setting it up so all these people come into real estate, then they'll raise the taxes. Then you got them. They won't run. You know, yeah, real estate prices will crash. And being a real estate guy, that's the worst I can see coming. Well, you know, real estate has been very very good to me, and I've lived in ten different countries around the world and owned real estate in two thirds of them. So, no, real estate's been very very good to me, but. You know, there's a, there's a time to buy and a time to sell. And, 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 and something's very interesting. There, um, a lot of people don't think about this. When I wrote my um, crisis investing for the 90s book, there was still a lot of worry about world population going to 10 and then 15 million and 20 million. And what are we going to do with all these people 
the globe is going to be covered with them. But uh, there's something new developing, and that is a falling world population. All over the world, the population is falling, with the exception of sub-Saharan Africa. To give you an idea, by the end of the century, there are reasonable projections that the population of China will have fallen from 1.4 billion back to an incredible 600 million. In other words, what it was before Mao came on. So what's going to happen to all those buildings and all that infrastructure that was built for a billion extra people? What's going to happen? Same thing is going to happen in the U.S. Of course, unless the U.S. is overwhelmed by migration, which is likely to happen, incidentally. Well, what's, what's going to happen to all the shopping centers that Amazon just wiped out, you know? Hey, a quick question. When you think of Russia and China, give me 10, 10 words each. What do you see with Russia and China? Well, Russia is not a threat. It, it, it's got a serious demographic population decline, in addition to the fact that everybody's drunk. <laughs> I, I would say Russia can best be described as a uh, gasoline station with an attached gun store in the middle of a wheat field. So uh, I, Russia is a, is a non-threat, and it's crazy, provoking them. China is a different story. In the long run, I suspect that China is going to break up into at least a half a dozen different countries. Wow. That's my guess. I mean, look, what's ha what happened in, in the Soviet Union, breaking up into 15 republics, here many of those republics themselves should break up ethnically. Yugoslavia broke up into six. Czechoslovakia broke into two. There are uh, secession movements active in Spain, especially, but Scotland is going to split, split off from Britain with a little bit of luck. This is a worldwide trend, I think, and it's going to happen in China, too. I mean, the Chinese don't just speak Mandarin. They speak, oh, goodness, how many major languages do they speak besides Mandarin? They have different cultures. There's antagonisms towards Beijing. No, I think China could break up, but that's in the long run. In the short run, the next 20 years belong to China. They really do. I agree. I was in Cameroon and Zimbabwe, and I saw whole Chinese camps out there of workers. Yeah, it's happening all over. It's yeah. happening all over Africa. Yeah. But uh, so the Africans have got to worry about their homeland being taken over by Chinese. actually hundreds of millions of Chinese. That's actually possible. Uh, that's, the, that's the bad news for the Africans. But the good news is that hundreds of millions of Africans are going to move to Europe. That's bad news for the Europeans. So there's going to be a lot of uh, demographic chaos in the world, I think. I agree. Did you happen to stay when we were in Cancun listening to the, the, the president of this, the Soviet country of Georgia speak? Josh Kabili, yes. Yeah. He was impressive. He was impressive. He, he wasn't a libertarian, but he's about as close as you can come to um, a real free market guy in Europe. So, yeah, I was very positively impressed by him. Yeah, just for those who uh, I hate to talk about things where you went there at, but he took he took the Soviet Republic of Georgia from like 127th in the world to number eight in the world, and so his his opening statement says, "What did you do to do that?" He says, first thing he had to get rid of corruption. That was step one, and number one spot for corruption was the police force. 
And I thought that was really, and that, he says that was the most dangerous. The second most dangerous was customs. Then they had to, they had to lower taxes and increase the speed of government services. Well, and it's indicative of just the sorry state of human nature is that Saakashvili uh, made huge improvements in the country. And then what happens? He's kicked out of office. Yep. Pretty much the same thing has happened in Chile. Yep. I mean, Chile, in the, when um, Allende took over, I mean, he was a, an avowed and strident Marxist. Then he was assisted in shedding this mortal coil by Pinochet. In, uh, what was it, 1973. And subsequently, for the next 30 years, Chile boomed. I mean, it was a backward little mining province. It was right. a nothing, nowhere place. Now, Chile is the most advanced country by far in Latin America. So what do the Chileans do? They elect a communist in the last election. <laughs> I mean, this is the way, this is the way it always works. I, I don't know where you run and hide at this moment, Robert, because the problem is is that the U.S. is slipping away right beneath our feet. I call it the U.S. because it used to be America, and America was a totally unique and excellent place. But now America is just an idea, and we're devolving into just another socialist state like 200 others in the world. It's a real pity. When America's gone, where do we go? That's why we're all at Cancun. You know, because a lot of people are starting to run. So in the name of capitalism, I want to make sure Doug has a, has a free moment to plug his latest books and his site and how you stay in touch with them. So, Doug, what's your latest piece of work and how do people stay in touch with you? Well, my third novel in a series is called Assassin, which talks about why some people should get their just desserts, <laughs> actually. So read Assassin. Secondly, I have a... Uh, a blog called The International Man, internationalman.com. Pretty interesting, I think. Yep. And third, I have a program which is kind of competitive, but not really with what you're doing, Robert, and that's called Doug Casey's Take. That's good. Anyway, Doug, you know, I always thank you for all the years of our friendship and your tutelage, and the sad part is what we've been saying is coming true. So anyway, thank you very much, and let's keep up the pressure on, keep up the educational process. So thank you, Mr. Doug. I look forward to talking to you again, Robert. All right, so. thank you. And we'll be back. We'll be with a final wrap-up for the Rich Dad Radio Show. Thank you, Doug, once again. Welcome back. This is Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show. I want to thank Doug Casey. He and I just came back from Cancun, Mexico, for the Nomad Capitalist Show. For those of you who are thinking about running and gunning, it was an international show. People came from all over the world. But predominantly, it was Americans, and most were young. I thought that was really, really interesting. Like I said, Doug and I have known each other for years, and we go to these shows, and we're the old guys. And this time, we were still we were the young guys. Now we're the old guys. But unfortunately, everything we've been saying for all these years is coming true. And so that's why so many young people were at the Nomad Capitalist Show. There's a lot of places you can run to and hide second passports and tax havens and all that. But it's a complicated process. So that's why I don't recommend things necessarily, but you know, if you really want to start to run anywhere in the world, they covered it pretty extensively. And so it's called the Nomad Capitalist, and it's important to know where you can run to. So Sarah, what did you think of the show today with Doug? Well, Doug's always a wealth of knowledge, but I think a couple of things I took away the most. 
the realization that you guys were talking about or young people are starting to catch on. And we're seeing that with Bitcoin, right? They're right. finally understanding that the dollar's worth zero. They're, they want to avoid. So I think this is a cool trend to see with the younger generation, like with information at their fingertips and all of the years of old guys like you and Doug teaching these lessons, they're finally catching on. So I think that's cool. I think it's kind of, it was a great catch-up episode. But then the other thing was your was talking about the predictions of Russia and China. Like I thought that was the, something I'd never heard before about he predicts that China will break up into 10 or 15 countries. So it's pretty cool. Just because of the languages and then the thing about he's lived in, you know, Argentina. And if you've ever been, you have a chance to go to Argentina, it was one of the most beautiful countries. Talk about Patagonia and all that. Of course, that's where a lot of the Germans ran to when they escaped Nazism. All the Nazis escaped there. So it's very European. It's very elegant. It's a rich country. Sadly, it's a communist government. And America's going the same way. I thought it was interesting to say about Aspen also, because it's like... Yeah. yeah. Well, I want to... That kind of ties it together. So he had a quote. I watched one of his videos. He did an interview with Kitco, which you're on a lot. He said, your main risk today is political. It's political risk. Your financial risks, your economic risks are huge. Greater than that, though, is political risk. Even the people that have passports don't understand that it's the property of the U.S. government and it can be taken away from you for a lot of reasons. So I think... We're seeing, he saw these trends happening in Argentina and he's starting, not starting, he's seeing them happen here. He's really an international man. He's traveled the world and um, wealth of knowledge is fantastic. And he's also on the Donahue show, which is on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And he hasn't changed what he's been saying. The sad thing is coming true. Right. So with that, I thank you all for listening to the Rich Dad Radio Show and stay tuned. Thank you for listening to the Rich Dad Radio Show. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.